Ramble, 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 talk, talk, talk. It is Ivy Poptimist, here to bring you episode 55 with Wally Walgren. He drums for the country artist Cam. She has such hits as Burning House and Diane. Wally's originally from Sweden. He lived in a slaughterhouse for a short time, recorded music there, video game soundtracks. He is as cool as he sounds. There's also a little... Kokomo connection with this episode too. We didn't talk about it, um, but at the time it didn't sink until after. He talks about Doug Showalter, and uh, he's from Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, as everybody knows who listens to this show, it's my favorite place that I've never been to. So here is episode fifty-five. Thanks for listening. Let's go. Welcome to the Poptimist. Today we have Wally Walgren. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing swell. Thank you very much. The Slaughterhouse. Yeah. You lived in it. You had a recording studio in it. Yes. Tell me about the Slaughterhouse. The Slaughterhouse was a uh, place where I actually worked, uh, not as a butcher because I was too young to have to handle knives, but that was a real a real slaughterhouse in the town I grew up in and it was um, they later on uh, closed down and then we me and my friends were looking for a, a rehearsal spot and uh, we, we, we wanted to find something where we can like build from scratch like and make it our own spot because there were a few like complexes that had rehearsal spots where you can just kind of like rent but we wanted to no we don't want any neighbors like we, we want to like build a studio so that slaughterhouse had been I think maybe six years since it closed down and then we got in there and basically rented f- four walls there was no roof at the time there was no roof yeah it was no roof it was just I mean it was a, a giant if you think just like a warehouse you know um, so that so there was no doors and and the the walls were all like fucked up. It was a stone building. It was old barracks. Is what I was told. It was like military barracks. Really? Yeah. And this is in Sweden. Um, What's the name of the town? The name's called Helsingborg. Okay. How yeah. far is that from Stockholm? It's about seven hours south of Stockholm. Oh shit! Okay. Car. So it's like uh, it's the south part of Sweden. It's the part that's close to Denmark, and Germany. Um, but yeah, we got in there pretty cheap, so we were like... I imagine so, no yeah, roof. Yeah, 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 no roof, and pig, pig ghosts, animal ghosts. <laughs> so we were like, cool, let's let's get in here. Um, and we just kind of looked around, because, I mean, all we've done our whole lives is playing music, so I can't build anything, you know? Like, Could you, not, any of your friends build? Did they, no, they? no one, but we were just like, man, let's just go for it. Luckily, my dad is, like, a super handy person, so we just called him up, like, hey, man, can you come down and just kind of, just give us a rough, like, so he came down and just, yeah, you need this and this and this, and, you know, and he helped us basically build four walls within this, like, concrete box, you know? Uh Uh-huh. So we built a room in a room, so we isolated it. How big was it? It was, I don't know the, I don't know the square feet. I don't know the measurements in American. Well, what uh, is it in, in uh, the metric system? Oh, it would be like I think it was. 
it would be about maybe five meters and maybe ten meters. Okay, so, so it, it wasn't it, like was it be the size of this basement? Yeah, like maybe the whole basement, maybe a little bigger, and that was like the recording room. Okay, you know, um, and then we rented two other rooms: one for just storage, like this instruments, and, and then a, a control room as well. So we had a nice big like recording room. That's that's really what we wanted, because um, you can. I mean, nowadays you can record anywhere, anywhere, you yeah. know. But we wanted a proper like room, a tracking room. Yeah, a tracking room. So uh, so we got that room. But, you know, and then, then we, my dad came down like, okay, let's, let's, let's lay a roof as well, which is something I've never done. I don't think I ever will do it again either, but it was just a good experience to like see how all that can be worked out, like very educational. And Sounds we, like a true pre passion project. Yeah, it was. And, and every, I don't know if you've ever built anything, but whenever, whenever you, I mean, when we had that room together, we would just stand in there, like, so proud. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. Looking For around, sure. like, yeah, man, okay. Like, knock, like they'll hold, you know, just kind of like, yeah, cool. Uh, we also, uh, a little side sidestep is uh, we built it when it was, like, the coldest winter in Sweden in, I think, 20 years or something. It was, oh, shit. Yeah, what was, year was this? It was 2010, I believe. Okay, yeah. and how old were you when this was going on? Well, that would have been. Man, I'm so bad with numbers. I I don't even know how old I am now. I'm 33, going to be. Okay, so it was about 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. Damn. Yeah, yeah, long time ago. Um. But we um, we um, yeah, it was su it was super, super cold, and obviously there was no doors or anything, and it's it's a stone building. So oh, the whole, shit. So, so just it just freezing. Yeah, yeah, it was like a freezer in there. Yeah. Because you know, they would store meat in there, and, you know, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. So we were in there in, like, full overalls and like gloves and beanies and just, like, hatching away, like, man, we're doing this. Like, let's do it. And then as soon as we were able to get a little uh, radiator in there, like, get some heat going, then we just start recording right away. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Uh, it was me and my friend uh, Joker Pedersen and Alfred Anderson. So Alfred's the bass player, Yoke's the guitar player, and, and he's also, like, the house engineer of that place, uh, which I just recorded in uh, So it's, st now. it's yeah. still oh, yeah, standing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. It's it's a really important, I think that studio is a really important part of that town. Really? Yeah, because there's, there's not a lot of studios to go record music, so bands will come in there and just, you know, cut their record, cut their demos, or lay vocals, and... Yoke is really good with engineering too, so he's like, I think he's a super important figure in, in the town. Were they childhood friends that you've known for a long time, or were they? Yeah, you met in me, school? me and Yoke, we met in school uh, in seventh grade. That's when we started playing um, together. And me and Alfred and Yoke met um, when we were sixteen, and then we started playing. And, and I still play with the, those guys. Um, so we're, we're still like a trio. We still make video game music together. That was the first project we did, actually, in the studio. Really? Yeah, we did a video game soundtrack. So that was really fun. What kind of video game was it? Uh, it's called PID. It's a platform. Um, 
by a studio called uh, Might and Delight in Stockholm. So we've we've done I think six or seven soundtracks since then. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay, so that was something that you guys had really you created this studio and then you were able to do yeah that's a, a, a you know, video game yeah, soundtrack. To say create is a good way because that's that was really the thing. Um, like we, you know, you create possibilities. And when you're in such a small town, it's kind of like you have to... Maybe it's true for bigger cities too, I don't know. But you need to kind of create the work. You need to create the, the job and the possibilities. You know, there were no studios. And if there were, like, we can't afford them, it's like, okay, let's build a studio then. One that and we can actually we, afford. Yeah, and then we'll start recording ourselves. And then we, we'll, we won't have to deal with renting. At, you know, at, we'll just do it for free. We just start doing it for free, and then maybe, well, now we can add a bit of money to it, you know, and then you can take jobs yourself. Like, I would take just drummer gigs, like fusion, like guitar fusion um, gigs or something, and I would just be like, yeah, I'll just cover my fee and the engineer, and the engineer would be Yoke, of course, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's just like, we don't have to pay for the studio. Keeping it all in-house. Yeah. Straight in profit. House. Yeah, why not, you know? Um, so that was a good, yeah, just creating is a, is a, it's the key word for sure. Where did you get your mindset from? You kind of have a really like healthy worker mindset. Was that, (laughs) was that something that your parents instilled in you or was that something that you just developed over time? Uh, if it's, um, I mean, yeah, my parents for sure. My, my dad definitely like, he's, He's worked since he was, I think, 14. I think he dropped out of school, and then he's just worked his whole life. And he's never got stuck at a place. If he was unhappy with a job, he would just say, bye, and he would go get another job. Get up and go. Because he's, like I said, like he's handy, and he can kind of do anything like with his hands. So he would do any job. And he's a, he's a great, he's actually a... He's a mechanic, like that's where his heart's at, like being creative with like cost, custom bikes, custom cars, or and any brand, you know, like, uh, so he, he would just jump around. Uh, but I think for me, it's like, um, you probably heard, I mean, you probably have the same, like you have that drive in you to like, I have to become good at my instrument and I'll do whatever it takes. Um, it's a little watered down, maybe you've heard it so many times, but, but that's, that was the, that's been the mindset. And, uh, you know, I've always thought that if I, if I work hard enough, if, if I practice enough, if I get good enough, things will work out. And at, and at, at some points it was like, like you said, living in the, in the slaughterhouse, like I had to move in there for a few months just because it was it's just so tough to like, I mean, that's the city. I mean, it's just, there's no one there. It's too little of a town. Is it a very rural place? No, it's, I mean, it's not rural in, in Swedish terms. You know, it's, it's still, I don't know, 170,000 people maybe. Um, where I'm from though, originally, that's rural. Where I'm from is like, I think now there's 500 people there. Oh shit! I okay, so it's kind of out in the out in the sticks. Yeah. yeah, out in the sticks. Yeah, but the Helsingborg was kind of like the cl- closest city, whatever. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, it's just so tough to like pay the rent and like be a session drummer. 
So I realized that I have to, I have to get away. I have to like go somewhere else. I moved to Stockholm, but I, there was a time where I lived in that studio, <laughs> and I had a, I had a gym card, so I can go shower. Uh huh. Because there was no shower. I have plenty of friends who are doing that yeah. right now in Nashville. So I would go to the gym and shave and and uh, you know get a workout and shower and kind of like okay cool. <laughs> Back to the studio. What was the music scene like in Stockholm? Um, I think I was doing, I, I was kind of doing all kinds of stuff over there. There's, there's a good, uh, there's good pop music coming out of Stockholm and Sweden, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you know. ABBA. Uh, ABBA. Right. That, oh yeah. 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 For sure. ABBA. Um, and you know, some of the new artists, uh, or artists has been around. Sena Busey is, is one of my favorites. Uh, she's a Swedish artist and, uh, there's, there's a bunch of artists. I was, I was, I never really got in with that click though. I would say I never got to that, like the, the highest tier of, of pop music in Stockholm. You know, maybe I would have if I stayed there. Um, so I was doing, I was doing hip hop. I was doing a little pop music, a few sessions. I was doing jazz. Uh, a little bit of Dixieland and like that that stuff. I was doing like these jazz brunches, Sunday jazz. Uh, and then a few sessions and I would go down to the studio, take the train, like take night trains and go down, record, do things, go back to Stockholm, uh, trying to invest. Um, I was there for three years and I, and I was still doing the video game soundtrack. So I was still doing that. And I had my own bands, uh, Caravan was one of the bands that I really was passionate about. That was also with Joke and Alfred. And that's actually what, what led me to to uh, camp and moving to the States. Really? Just that band, yeah. How so? Um, the um, uh, So Caravan was originally me, this guy Alfred Anderson I told you about, and another guy named Anders Mordson. Anders, Mo Anders Mordson is like a total badass guitar player. And he'll play any instrument and just burn. Like he's a great piano player. He can play mandolin, banjo. Um, just a beautiful player. Uh, he lives out in LA. And he and I and Alfred, we were all at MI. So we were at Musicians Institute in, in Los Angeles, 2006. Uh, so we, we formed uh, this band called Caravan that we started. And we were just doing like American folk music, really. We were doing blues and roots music, and but we were these like three Scandinavian guys. Anders is from Denmark, um, and then I moved back, and um, uh, me and Alfred moved back to to Sweden. Anders stayed in LA, but he would come home every now and then to like you know visit family and and hang out, and uh, we would always get together the three of us and like you know let's let's record some songs. Uh, let's and we would we would record like. Basin Street Blues, uh, uh, when my dreamboat comes home, and like 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 those kind of staple like evergreen tunes, and we just liked it, and um, um, so we started Caravan, and then Caravan became like we brought in Yoke, we brought in this other guy named Simon, um, so the band kind of just it's still now there's a new drummer in the band called Johnny, um, so they're like the band is still going on, it's just kind of evolved. <laughs> but sure, we, but we started it, I think, in two thousand and seven. Uh, so, 
that being said, you have Caravan and Andres is in LA. And uh, at that time, uh, Cam um, reached out. Uh, she was working with a guy named Doug Showalter. He lives in Nashville. Uh, so they were working on like her first recordings, I think, like demos. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, yeah, I know this guy. Andres is a great string player, so maybe we should have him. You know, they wanted some mandolin and banjo, and, and he just he burns on that shit. So they sent the demos to Andres, and uh, Andres is like, oh, my gosh, just blown away by Cam's voice. Uh, so he was like, okay, cool. I definitely am going to do a good job, like invest in this relationship, you know. So he recorded all the songs, and then he reached out to me and Alfred. We were in Sweden, but he was like, hey, guys, um, you know, I just recorded for this artist, Cam. She lives in L.A. Uh, we should we should try to, like, we should try to do something with her, like a, a tour or a recording or something. So we were like, cool, let's let's try to let's try to book a tour in Scandinavia, you know, and uh, we can bring her in. And she was like, the, you know, like had the Nashville vibe going and uh, she was from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so we were like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. So we did a bunch of schools and like master classes and she was a songwriter first. Um, and Anders is a songwriter too. So the two of them were like, cool, we can do like, clinics at schools in Sweden and talk about songwriting you know the two of them not me they can they can talk about mm-hmm. it <laughs> and then we did like shows and we would so we so we would do the school clinics in the in the daytime and then go play shows in the evening so we traveled we booked a whole tour um and um and we traveled around and we had the studio as like a rehearsal spot and we learned her songs she came in and she's like you know and uh like the band and her clicked me and Cam clicked, like, immediately. I felt like, we, it's just, like, cool. Like, I feel like I've known this person a long time. And we hung out and, like, really hit it off as friends and, and musically, too. So she was over there for that tour. And that's, like, how we started, like, the, the sort of relationship. And then she moved, uh, she went back, of course, to America. She signed with Sony in that time. And then she came back the following year to do a, a second Scandinavian run with us uh, because it's like it looks good in America if you're in Sweden and Denmark doing shows you know sure and it also looks good if you bring an American to Sweden you know in lack of better terms it's like an exotic thing like you have okay. you have yeah. someone like oh a songwriter from Nashville yes we definitely want someone to talk to our students you know obviously that's great so it's that it's that thing like you have you have a good reputation we did the same thing with another guy uh hunter parent who who's from texas and we just like oh yeah you guys gotta come check out the like texas guitar slinger you know like that's Mm -hmm. also like it's also hip to sweets to see someone who's like legit rock and roll you know so we've done a few of those little ventures where we're like kind of I mean, they're our friends, so we kind of like, hey, let's just come play. You know, yeah. Fun. And they love coming over there. Um, but anyway, yes, so she came back, and we did a, a, a second run, 2014. And then she, she just a- asked me flat out, like, hey, you want to you wanna come play Stagecoach with me next year? Uh, Stagecoach is that, is that massive country festival mm-hmm. out in uh, California. And I was like, 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and then we started the mechanics, the machine of like getting the work visa and getting every all the papers in order and all that stuff, which took a good couple of months. <laughs> I'm sure it was a big pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, I think because it was the first time for me doing it. So they wanted but, to see a bunch of stuff probably from you. No, I'm just saying it was the first time. I think it took extra long just because of oh, me. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you were it. feeling the yeah. process out yeah. and kind of learning but, it as you go. But luckily Anders had gone through that, so he was like a huge help uh, putting all that stuff together. He really helped me out. And and Cam, of course, she was like, she's my sponsor, basically. So she really, like, uh, made it happen, her and her whole team. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, many, like, stressed-out moments where I would just hit up on just like, hey, uh, you know, what's this and this? Like, how do you do here in this process? And, and he would just be like, oh, it's all good, you know. He said one thing to me that I always remember. It's like, just, you know, just take one... Just one step at a time, you know. Just one one step in front of the other, like you'll be fine. Uh, but I think I spent like six months with that stuff, and and I, I was also working and hustling and you know trying to make a living and doing that stuff, which is. And you were in time. Stockholm at this time. At this time, I was actually working. Yeah, I was I was in Stockholm, and then I got a gig with uh, something called Skånes Dansteater, which is a. Uh, a uh, like a free ballet dance squad uh, them together with uh, the opera in Malmö which is also south of Sweden they put together a thing where we did like a, a show, it's like theater there's some acting in it um, you know uh, songs and like interpreted dance And so I was doing it, it was a great gig so I was doing that um, and uh, the opera gave me an uh, apartment in Malmö to live in while I was doing that so I was working with them doing that and then doing the paperwork uh, you know it was, it was a stressful time but I was, but it was very exciting too and I didn't think I was going to move to the States it was I, I just decided actually I think it was just four days before I just decided to go to go to go live so just like okay let me just leave Sweden. so what did you think you were going to do did you just think you were going to come here for the one gig was it just one gig that she had lined up for you the only thing we had was that one gig you know and then of course the promise of you know obviously i believe in her like yeah I sure sure still very much do so like that she is kind of like you know as she is the reason i'm here and like she is the one i'm investing the most in you know sure yeah so it was like it was it was for her you know but it was just that one gig there was no there was no uh burning house there was no hit you know there was nothing like that mm -hmm. so it's just me like thinking she's the shit she's gonna take off like she's so she's so good you know i want to be a part of it for sure uh, and i'm also i'm tired of of ch chasing gigs i'm tired of, of doing that stuff like i don't want to do it i, I want to like be with an artist and, and that i believe in and invest in it and become good um but uh but yeah, I kind of thought like, oh, I'll get the visa and I can kind of like, I can go there for a couple of months, you know, I can, I can come back to Sweden, I can kind of like bounce back and forth and, because uh, I was also scared of like, you know, it's like you were telling me you have a bunch of bands here, it was the same for me, like, if, if you're trying to make a living, you need to be in 20 plus projects, 
to just get by. Yeah. So I was just doing that. So it was scary to say, you know, just like cut off all that stuff, you know. Luckily, the unknown. I, yeah, the unknown. Like you, you take that's that's the leap, you know, that you read about and heard about so many times. Like, okay, here we go. Cool. I mm -hmm. thought I took the leap when I went to school in L.A., but no, this was this was it. That was practice. Yeah, it was practice, exactly. Big, scary. And I moved to L.A., which is more people than the entire population of Sweden. <laughs> but, um, but um, I, I, um, um, I called Cam, yeah, I think five days before or something. It was a, that week I was going to go. I called her and was like, yeah, you know, we talked through it again. Like, yeah, I got the plane tickets, you know. I'm going to go to Stockholm. I'm going to get the final visa they stamped the visa, the passport, right? Um, I'm gonna do that, and uh, and then I'm, I'm coming over. You know, I can stay. Uh, again, Andres helped me out. I stayed at his house for a month. You know, like just living there. Um, and she was, and she was kind of like, you know, she kind of cornered me and it was just like, hey, why don't you just, why don't you just go? Like, why don't you just move? So she was pretty encouraging. Yeah, she of yeah, you doing it. Yeah, encouraging and also like, cut the bullshit like. Why are you gonna go back and forth? You know, like just move here. And I and I didn't have any good things to say back. You know, I was just like, yeah, she's right. Damn, you're right. You know, like you're definitely right. I probably fought her a little bit, but but she was right. I, I called my best friend right after Jacob, and I was just like, yeah, she's kind of you know she kind of said this, and he was like, she's right. <laughs> you know, but it was it was very tough to you know have to tell my parents and, and like were they heartbroken no they're super supportive i mean they're definitely like you should just go like that's absolutely awesome. that's good go. to have that support oh yeah great support like everyone's everyone's been super supportive back home like everyone's really proud of me just moving into taking the leap so to speak uh but it was tough calling you know calling uh these guys joking and alfred and my mother and like just kind of like you know I'm, I think I'm moving like I, I'm sorry I haven't said anything but I, I'm def I'm gonna go you know I'm just gonna go for it um, yeah and then my dad drove me to the airport and he was just like you know because uh, he, he got an offer when he was um, right before I was born he got an offer from a company in Texas to like hey we want you to move here for starting up a new factory we want you to be the supervisor for all these people because he knew about the machines at this one firm that he could like he knew how to how to work and like very good so he was like we want you to train everyone we're giving you a house and like cars and like you and your whole family can come and um, um and my mother uh like she didn't want to leave you know so obviously it's like that's not going to work out but he, he kind of told me in the car just like you know that's like that's the one thing i can't forget about like I keep thinking about man we should yeah. have gone taking the chance yeah take, obviously his circumstances are We're different, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah he has a whole sure. family and, and yeah. you know, they, they had a kid already it's different me. when you're single absolutely yeah. yeah they had a kid already and, and you know they definitely invested in, and he's doing great you know they're, they're both doing good you know he's a he's a he's one of the top custom bike builders in, in, in Sweden now um, but uh but they, yeah, they were super supportive. But I didn't know I was gonna move. I didn't definitely didn't think so up until that week. And then I was like, cool, all right, I'm going.
do you think subconsciously you kind of felt that way in the back of your mind, maybe? Or were you just like, nope, I'll be back in a couple couple weeks I after I, I play this gig? Yeah, I think I fought. I mean, I think I... I mean, who's to know? Subconsciously, it's difficult sure. to answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I think... I think I was pretty determined to like, I'll do, I'll try three months and then, you know, because I wasn't sure and it was like, you know, it's just that one gig and like, oh, I don't know, you know, we'll see. But, but then, I mean, immediately I just felt like we did that one show. Let me, let me tell, let me paint the picture for you because we're, we're, I'm in Malmö and it, it's just pouring down, you know, it's like it's been here now for two weeks. This is rainy, it's dreary, it's April, um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm borrowing money from everyone to be able to <laughs> pull it off. Mm-hmm. And I leave, I do the last show, and the next morning, I've already had packed up and throw away all my shit, and I just had the two suitcases. and uh, Some drumsticks. Some drumsticks, yeah. Brushes. Some brushes and, and a snare drum and pedal and some clothes. And then my dad picked me up. Uh, got on that flight. And I got to L.A. Anders picked me up at the airport. We went to rehearsals, like, the following day. And then the next day, we were in stagecoach. And I'm walking in there. And it's the biggest stage I've ever seen in my life. You know, like, I've never seen a stage that big. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's where we're playing. Like, oh man, okay. They're rolling up my drum kit on like a rice. I'm just like, what is this? Like, it didn't feel real. This is like, this is like, and the sun was just hitting me in the face. You that know? warm California. I was sun. basically wearing underwear. Like that's all I was wearing. <laughs> like did California. Yeah, Steve Earle is there. Sturgill Simpson is, is Dude, has a trailer. I love Sturgill Simpson. Oh yeah, what a guy! Yeah, he has a trailer next to our trailer, and like I'm just walking around there. Like Merle Haggard played that year, and it's just like surreal to me. Like, and that's when I just felt like, oh my god, this is this is like the right decision. Like, there's no question. I don't even care what happens now. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it was it was a beautiful thing, uh, and also being like being. Uh, like both Anders and Cam and, and Alex, the uh, bass player, um, uh, and Doug and Tyler Johnson, the, the producer, he actually did that gig with us playing piano, but just them all like just greeting me and like just kind of like accepting me immediately, like, yeah, this is the guy, you know, like this is the new guy. Uh, she, the, the drums was the missing part of her band. She had, she had every position filled, sort of. And it's like, yeah, we need drums. And it's just like, cool, great. <laughs> you were able to fill it. Yeah, yeah. And it was due to all of your training. Yeah. And all the bullshit that you had to go through just to get yeah. to that moment. Yeah, I mean, you can you can always kind of, you can always draw from that. You can always kind of think about those moments like in the past, you know, when you, when you want to like, yeah, there's a, if you ever doubt yourself, I think a lot of musicians do that, and you you feel like a fake, or you feel like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, and you know, I'm not, I don't do this for real. You can always think back on, wait a minute, like I did do all these things since I was eight years old. That's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, I do deserve to be here. That's right. <laughs> you started drumming in school, right? There was a yeah. a, a program yeah. at your school that the 
Swedish government sponsored. Yeah, it's kind of fantastic that 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 worked out. Again, it's you know everything's everything's in miniature when you compare it to America because it's a small country. Sure, uh, but again, like that school was. It's not a big school at all, you know. The people from from that village, you know, the five hundred people village, and a few other ones around. They those were the kids that went to that school, and uh, and this and there was a super passionate um, uh, woman. Her name is uh, Harriet uh, Harriet Johnson. Uh, she came to the school, you know, and she was part of this um, called the music school and uh, just music school. Um, and they were just like we we want to. I don't I don't know the full story behind that, but I think they basically went to a couple of schools, maybe even, and like started this program. Like this is big band for kids. You know, we're gonna like get them to play clarinet and flute, and we're gonna have a big band, and uh, we're gonna learn. You know, you're gonna learn how to read, and and it's pretty cool when you're in a third grade to to see. Like I don't think I've ever even seen those instruments at that point, because and when you're eight, it's hard. It's. I think it's rare to know what you want to do when you're eight years old. Oh yeah. I, I think that's like a, that's a rare thing. You know, there's definitely some like, you know, monsters out there that started playing when they were one, before one years old. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? But for me, that wasn't the case at all. But but then they, she brought in. We got to try the instruments. And, uh, I got the trumpet. You know, you try to like, trying to. I don't know if you ever tried to play trumpet. Yeah, but it's yeah. It's extremely difficult. For sure. And for me, it was It's like, uncomfortable. I, could bear, I couldn't get anything out of it. It was just like my, my face just got red. And, you know, some kids can kind of get a tone out of it. But, I mean, yeah, I was terrible at that. And I was terrible. I was terrible at the clarinet, the flute. I was pretty much terrible at every instrument ever. But then the drums came. And she was like... She showed me, like, just like... It's an eight, eight note. Yeah, group. just the the basic. And I was like, cool. It's just easy, like, cool. I can do that. She showed me, I think, a swing, like, ching, 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 ching. And then you were the drummer. And it was like, cool. I can do that. You know, like, yeah. And then that no no kid could do that because it's like a lot of <laughs> stuff going on. You know, like, um. But uh, but that was something that just was very natural. So, and then we started. Um, they brought in a drum teacher that started teaching um, the kids, and uh, they brought in teachers on all the instruments too. So, so you would have like a, it was part of of the of the the curriculum, uh, and that kind of saved the school for me because I hated school so much, and I was uncomfortable, and I was scared of older kids, and I was just kind of like, you know, like I felt really awkward in school. But then all of a sudden, like now. Like we get to play drums and like and every, the drummers are always the coolest member of every. Everyone band. wanted to play drums, man. Like, no one wants to play saxophone when you're eight, at least not in that school, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And and most people stop playing after after that too. Like, there's not a lot of players that kept kept at it for sure. Um, but I was playing, and uh, I don't know. Do you watch soccer at all? No, no. Carol Carolyn uh, Seeger. Uh, her last name means victory. She says it all. She, she and I, she and I, we were the two drummers, so we got to play drums. And she was uh, an amazing soccer player, like early on. But she had been playing soccer her whole life. And she later on joined 
uh, the you know the Swedish team. Oh shit! In the, for the um, what do you call it? The the world championship. Yeah. So she was like. Yeah, I just, I just thought I'd say that. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to her. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but she was, yeah, she was the coolest, man. She was, and she can play drums, too. She's dope. When you were growing up, were you, before you played drums, yeah. were you interested in music? Like, did you like listening to music? Was there anything that you were into, or did it just kind of happen one day? You went to school, and they were like, here, try these out. And I that was it. You know, I think us, uh, music, for sure, I I like. Like, my, my both my parents... They listen to music all the time. They they love music. Uh, my mom actually, I, I was talking to her yesterday. She just said she just got into jazz, which is funny because she's always just hated it. <laughs> it's an acquired taste. It is. It is an acquired taste. But she said like, yeah, I'm actually like enjoying it now. And uh, my parents, you know, they're, they're good dancers, both of them. Um, I mean, I don't think I don't think I was. I definitely, I know for a fact it wasn't like, man, I can't wait to play, play an instrument. I, I never thought like that. Yeah. You, know? uh, you just liked it. Yeah, I like music, you know. Um, I think a lot of kids like music. But for me, it was more, I was mostly into drawing illustrations and, you know, painting. And, and that was like my main thing. And I did that since very early. So when I was two, I already started like illustrating and like, very detailed and like that was something I had a natural what were you drawing was it just Disney uh, movies you saw or cartoons no, you saw on it, TV it was it was a lot of turtles Ninja Turtles that was like, oh okay yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they totally. came out like the magazine came out when I was at that age I actually have them here in Nashville brought over the, I have the first you know the couple of first uh, one to ten who's your favorite Ninja Turtle Raphael <laughs> you, that, that's almost like a uh, personality classification yeah, for yeah, me right. it was it was always Donatello. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. he's a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but that's that's what I was drawing, you know. Um, so I was I was very into into that, and I kept doing that uh, for a long time. And I I wasn't sure if I was going to do music or my dad wanted me to kind of like illustrate and be a I don't know an illustrator, I guess, but. Um, but drums just kind of like, it just took over, like music took over my life when I was around. I mean, when I met this guy, Yoke, in seventh grade, at that point, I've been playing big band stuff and I've been like goofing around on the drum kit, but I had no like, it wasn't like I was eight years old and sitting there just like rigorously practicing, you know, sure. that came later. But but when I started seventh grade, I was like, I was basically listening to the music that my big sister was listening to because I thought she was cool. So she knows what she's doing. So I just, I'll just latch on to her. So she was listening to, to grunge, you know, she was listening to Nirvana. So that, that was like, cool. I listened to Nirvana too. And I listened to Marilyn Manson and like some of those bands. But then I went, yeah, seventh grade, I met this guy, Yoke, and he was listening to Metallica and like Pantera and like those bands. And he could metal. play metal, heavy metal, and he he could play that shit. When it was it was weird because we were like twelve years old, but he would and play. he was shredding. He was shredding like Master of Puppets. You know, I was sitting in his room just like, what the hell is going on? Like this this kid is like amazing, you know. So we just that's all we did from seventh to ninth grade. Basically, we just played. Him and me just get into the rehearsal rooms, and just shred. Was like he metal. A, a guitar player? Yeah, guitar player and singer. 
so that's all that we would do basically um, and then it was kind of like okay music is like super important to me now you know and then it became it when I really started like being serious is when I I started uh, Peter Wilder the great drummer he he was teaching at the school uh, after ninth grade I started taking lessons from him at the school I was at and he showed me like uh, Dennis Chambers and Vinicola Yuda and Dave Weckl and these like fusion Gary Novak these fusion drummers and I've never seen anything like I I had only seen like Vinnie Paul and Lars Ulrich and Joey Jordison and those like metal guys uh -huh. but here was here's Dave Weckl with with like back to basic I don't know if you know that VHS tape no no and uh Dennis Chambers had that a Serious Moves, which is another one he put out, and I could not believe my eyes or my ears when I heard, when I saw that like on, on the television, like he put it in and it was just blazing singles around the kit like it was nothing, like it looked fake almost seeing him play, uh, and Dave Weckl being like the most musical, like the the most musical drum solos I've ever heard, I think from him and, and uh, so that just kind of blew me away and it also opened my mind like okay I need to get serious like I haven't done anything you know like what am you I you realized you weren't shit yeah I realized like oh my gosh like I'm not even you know I don't even I can't even hold a pair of drumsticks I feel like when I saw them it wasn't like it wasn't like I got put off I, I got inspired but sure. I also realized this is going to take me you know several hours a day for several years to come and able to, if I'm going to be able to because I wanted to be able to do those things when, when I saw him like I got so inspired like these guys like these cats are burning on the instrument you know that you can be that good that it's a possibility yeah, someone did it yes yeah these guys are doing it like, I couldn't believe it and Peter Viller was so cool because he was like I was I was becoming very serious at that point I, you know he was just throwing exercises at me I was just like you know shed it shed it and come back and then you know, eight hours a day at home, just practicing, 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 come back, and just give me new stuff. And he would... He would this is your drum teacher you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Peter Wilder. And he came in one day, and he just kind of like... He had, a, he had a like a, a big bag of records that he just kind of like, here, I want you to have these records, go home and just listen to this music. And he was all those guys, you know, it was like... There was, there was you know, David Garibaldi was in there, and like Tony Williams, Elvin Jones... Gary Novak, Weckl, Vinny, Dennis, Virgil Donati, all these guys, uh, Lenny White, um, Steve Gadd, just burning players. And I, and my record collection was like Meshuggah, and you know, just like metal, 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 mm -hmm. you know, grunge, and like rock and roll, heavy music. But then like, all I did then was just listen to, to his... He expanded your taste. He really did. And I think I was just like, I was, I was at that moment where it, where it was right for me to to hear it you know I could grasp I could understand some of it not all of it but I could like cool I can begin to like learn from from listening over time I've noticed that the ear starts to change and it starts to develop yeah and as a musician you start what used to give you that hit that you used to, like that hit of dopamine that you were really into yeah 
if you try and go back to that six months later, you might still like it, but it's not that new feeling, like that new connection you feel in, yeah. your, in your mind. It's, it's like a very specific feeling I'm feeling whenever I'm practicing something that's right on the edge of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. where I'm kind of fucking it up, but also kind of getting it. Yeah. And I've just noticed that is one thing, like your ear evolves. Oh, yeah. Over time. Yeah. I think it's super important to, to listen to music. I think you can only go so far with practice, um, but you need to listen. You need to like be able to hear things in a. In a, I was talking to to Benny Greb about this, and he was saying something that that really stood out. It was like when you listen to music, you hear things in context, because if you're just practicing things and chops, and it's, you know you need to hear it somewhere. Like oh, that's where you can. This player applied it in this situation. Cool, yeah, that's what I've been working on, you know. Context. Yeah, context. But I think what you're saying is very true. I think it's and I think it's fascinating that and you need to be like mature enough to understand certain things. For sure. I, I could never understand Elvin Jones for the longest time. You know, I, I had all the records and I was kinda listening to it, but it wasn't until Tim McIntyre, um, great, great teacher, great drummer, he he kinda helped me understand the greatness of Elvin Jones and like listen to his ride symbol and I was like yeah yeah ding 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 I get it yeah no but listen and then he made me transcribe this whole solo just just transcribe his ride transcribe his whole ride pattern during this whole solo um it's like cool yeah and then I started to hear and see how Elvin he was improvising every second Every second he was making decisions and improvising. And also you start to hear how wide these eight notes could be. Whereas before, I would, maybe I thought like... Yeah, because I was like listening to Bill Stewart or, or Dave Weckl, which are two of my favorites, you know. But they, also, they came from somewhere. You know, there's always someone before them. And Elvin Jones was kind of like that guy. He was, he was, you know, he was the swinging drummer. And you can hear... Yeah, you start to you start to understand, and I think that's what you're talking about too. Like, your your ears are now ripe enough, or you're matured enough, or you, you know, you get it all of a sudden. And then I start, and then I just came up obsessed with it. Like, oh my gosh, this is so good! I couldn't hear it before, but now it's like a new thing. That's something I've experienced too. I there's been artists that I've really disliked or have had zero interest in. Yeah. And then one day I'll just hear one song from them and I'll notice one thing in the song and it just sends sends me down a path of this rabbit hole. It's like I need to consume as much of this as possible. Like one band that I always really hated growing up. Yeah. But I ended up becoming my favorite band is Arctic Monkeys. Oh, yeah? Like I was never really into them. Like their their first record came out. I think I, I was probably in ninth grade. Yeah. And there was a bunch of people that were listening to them at my school, and I didn't really like them. There was something about them that just kind of turned me off. Mm. I wasn't into their second record when that came out. I thought they had a few good songs or something like that. But um, it wasn't until many years later I was out of high school and I listened to their third record, Humbug, yeah, which was produced by Josh from Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, he basically took them out into the desert and started feeding them mushrooms. And they made that album. Oh. Um, oh is that the same studio that they, they did, Queens of Stone Age did their album? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so he 
he was like this huge influence on them. But listening to that album and kind of getting into it um, after it had already come out, um, it had already been out for a couple of years because I think that one also came out when I was in, in high school. But and I would always go and get their their records on the day it came out. Like I would go to the store and I would go get them, even though you didn't like it. Even though I didn't like it, because I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this and I'm gonna try and figure it out. Oh, okay. And it just was was not for me. But then eventually that record clicked. Yeah. And I started just getting super super into them and started understanding it. And then, then I went back and I listened to their other stuff mm. and was like, okay, this this all starts to to make sense after a little while because you're able to, again it's it's putting it in context yeah with with what your ear is capable of understanding so they're like a pop band or a rock band or something like that but their themes and their concepts is like it's, it can be very it can be very uh john lennony kind of like uh alex turner's lyrics okay it can be very kind of just i don't know if necessarily cerebral is the right word but I don't, know, I don't know any Arctic monkeys. Really. There, there's always like a, a deeper meaning to it. Mm. But yeah, as, as time has gone on, um, my ear, I, I would say, like it, it just starts to develop, and you start to get into different things. It's like that with jazz too, you know. With jazz, I had always respected it because I had understood that it was takes great musical ability to be able to play it. But I never really got it until I started understanding music theory a little bit more and started seeing the technical ability that it takes and how tasteful you truly have to be as a player to be able to play that yeah. kind of music and that style of music because it's very specific um and you have a lot of freedom there are rules but you also have a lot of freedom yeah definitely i mean there's uh, i mean there's so many styles of, of jazz for sure it's like jazz it's, it's, it's such a wide there can be you can get really particular with rules and depending on what style I definitely played with bands where you know you just kind of get sort of like the look like what are you doing you know like this isn't this isn't modern this isn't bebop like we're doing playing evergreens here or you, you know there you can get pretty nerdy with it for sure, sure. and I can respect that too like, yeah absolutely tradition like it's cool but then you can also get super out with it but even th even then, there's there's motifs and there's um, rhythms or there's like little calls or little cues like you kind of listen for. And I think that's I think that's one of my favorite styles to play. Just improvised music, I think, is is a fantastic thing. Where you take all of you know take all the things you have and learned and you can apply it. Uh, not all of it, but you can use things you've learned. Uh, and I think just from 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 a educational uh, standpoint, that's that's something I think a lot of drummers should get into studying jazz and studying the triplet. Really, I think it's just it's so important. I think for sure, yeah. yeah. Jazz, I, I I like it because it is improvised, mm -hmm. and it's like I really like uh, the Grateful Dead. Have you ever listened to them much? Have you ever gotten into them? I never got into that band. That's a rabbit hole too. Yeah, like, that, I that is I just another never really. Hole. Maybe it's the lack of drugs, or maybe it's the wrong time for me. Or sure. Maybe eventually I'll dig them. Yeah. But I could never really, never really get into it. No, jam bands overall. I think I would have a. Yeah, I don't know. I just never been a fan. I think. 
But maybe I haven't heard of the right records. Sure. Yeah. yeah it, it's for me when I started getting into it, it was it was another one that I really I didn't get it at first. But the reason I like the Grateful Dead is because it is highly improvised. Yeah. And they're just straight up jamming, like just yeah. getting into it. And um what was interesting about them is, you know, they really weren't about the, the LPs or the or the albums so much, the studio albums, it was all live. Mm-hmm. So going back and listening to them, like I, you can hear on nights where Jerry Garcia was probably listening to jazz before he went on stage because his solos are super yeah. jazzy. And it's like, it makes me think just about practicing and everything like that and how whatever you practice ends up in your in your diet, whatever you listen to ends up in your vocabulary. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah, it's it's really kind of unreal. It's yeah. I don't really know how to explain something like that. It's just a, a thing about music that's just so... Yeah. Well, I think you get excited if you listen to a record and then you go into a session. I I do that if I'm if I'm if I'm recording a fusion record, jazz fusion, then I go to the, you know, I go to the Gary Novak's and I go to the Vinnie's and the Dennis Chambers and I listen to that music and I just like, that will be my musical diet, as you said, for for a few weeks or a few days before. And then I'm just kind of like in that zone. Of Seeped like, in. Yeah, like that's what I like drums to sound like in this context. So I'm going to listen to that. Or I might listen to uh, Stephen Hodges or like Jay Belarus or those masters if i'm doing something in that style and then i try to like seep that in too and like man now i'm like in the mindset of, of things or because i always feel like when you go record i never really think about things like i need to be me or i need to sound like me i think that just happens on its own totally i think it's more like you know you listen to certain records you're like i wish this is this is the perfect example of what this music is and then I check it out, and it's like, oh, it's Jay Belarus on drums, of course, something like that. Like that, you know, you just kind of like, if you listen to a record, then you, then you can then you can grasp like, oh, he did kind of this thing, and then you can kind of draw from it, not necessarily steal it or not to to not be true to yourself or whatever. But I think it's good to be able to have those. There are some of, things that are tried and true. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. Tried and true. For sure. So to wrap it up, where yeah. can people find you at? How can they hear your drumming? Where can they find your social media? All that good stuff. Uh, they can come watch a show with Cam. Uh huh. Do you have anything uh, coming up? We are doing um, we are doing Stagecoach this year, and I will be the third time I'm doing it. Actually, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Very fun. Yeah, uh, we're doing that. Um, I just, I'm on a record with Leigh Larson Trio that was just released. That's a, like, fusion record. He's a, he's a burning keyboard player, like one of the best. Uh, it's called Ashen Lights. That's out. And my uh, Instagram, you can find me on, which is just uh, Wally on drums. W-A-L-L-E on drums. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Yeah.